So I am thrilled to introduce my close friend, Ellen Zakos, um, for this podcast. I met Ellen over 10 years ago in New York City when we were members of the same CSA. I think she's going to actually tell you about that story, so I won't, uh, I won't, I won't spoil it for you here. Um, and I know you're going to love this interview with Ellen because not only is she incredibly talented and articulate, she has an awesome sense of humor. I'm super excited to see her when she's in town. And we've spent some really great times together cooking, drinking, and laughing um, in both of our kitchens. Uh, some of my fondest memories with Ellen are definitely based on food. Um, let's see, Ellen graduated from Harvard. She holds a certification in commercial horticulture and ethnobotany from the New York Botanical Garden. And one thing you may not know about Ellen is that before she became an accomplished gardener, instructor, um, photographer, lecturer, and author of five books, maybe more, I don't know. She may have written one like last month that I don't know about yet because she's a um, prolific writer um, and countless articles as well. Um, before all of that, she was a Broadway performer. Um, I hope she tells you a little bit about that. Anyway, she has a gorgeous voice and I appreciated that, um, especially when I was in Tokyo, living in Tokyo, and she went out with Joe and I for a night uh, to sing karaoke. Um, yeah, because neither of us can sing. She's pretty awesome. Um, and then a trip to the Skiji Fish Market at 5 in the morning. Um, but that's a story for another podcast. Um, I'm really looking forward to the Garden to Glass event next week. Ellen, thank you so much for your friendship and support of Edulution. First of all, I'm curious to know how you and Casey met. It's me that question because we met through vegetables um, and I really was not even a big vegetable person at the time um, but we both volunteered in the setup shift for our CSA on the Upper East Side in Manhattan where neither Casey nor I live anymore but we would um, we would offload the truck and set up the tables and get all the vegetables set up and when we finished our shift we would take our vegetables across the street for a beer okay the vegetables didn't have the beer we would have the beer um, so we met by volunteering at the csa which was really great very cool so at that time were you um in were you already into this foraging career you've made or no um, at the time it was not a career it was starting to be an interest i was an instructor at the new york botanic garden for many years and i also ran my own um garden design installation and maintenance company doing rooftop gardens in new york and one of the people who worked for me um was a forager and she had been uh, a classmate of mine at the botanic garden and we were taking a lunch break up in Westchester one day. I, I did non-rooftop gardens too. Uh, so we were sitting in the yard uh, having lunch and I had a very boring cheese sandwich and she reached over and pulled off a leaf from some weed and stuck it in my sandwich and said, here, you're going to like this better. Um, and because I trusted her, I ate it and she was right. It was very tasty and free. Um, and as Casey likes to say, it was unviable. You can't find garlic mustard in the store. If you want that flavor, you have to go out to a weedy lawn or field or woods and pick it yourself. And that really captured my imagination. I thought, boy, 
this is a great flavor, and I want to know more about how to do this. So when you when you describe or define foraging to people, do you sort of use that story as a medium to do so, or do you have a little definition you like to give? Well, both. People always ask me how I started foraging, and I probably should make up something a little more exotic than that, but that is really how I got started. Um, as far as what foraging is, um, people often will say, you mean like dumpster diving? And I say, no, I do not mean like dumpster diving. <laughs> I mean foraging for wild edible plants and mushrooms in places where you wouldn't necessarily expect to find food. So that might be uh, in the mountains or in the fields or in the woods, but it could also be, um, you know, between the rows of planted plants at Vegilution. There are weeds there that most people might not know are edible. Um, and what I like to do is go out and see what people are not eating and show them what they can eat and how delicious it is and, and what they can do with it. I am curious if you could talk a little bit about, so you mentioned you lived in New York, um, and Casey uh-huh. was just saying that you live in Santa Fe um, at this point, um, which is interesting to me specifically because I really wanted to move there last year. But um, oh. what about... Um, uh, d- different areas and finding like different sort of native plants or weeds or whatever to forage. Um, does that hold a specific interest to you, like moving to different places and kind of like getting a new array of plants? Um, yeah, it, it's it's very interesting. It's also really hard um, because where I was in New York and in Pennsylvania, I split my time between the two places. Um, it was a forager's paradise. I mean, Central Park is like biggest whole foods you ever want to be set loose in. There's just everything there. And and where our house was in PA, or still is in PA, I'm, I'm just surrounded. I, I think I harvested my weight in Hanover Woods mushrooms last weekend. <laughs> I have to been there. It, it's, it's wonderful. And then you come to a climate like this that is so dry and so different. I am very slowly learning new plants and I'm exploring. I'm, I'm, you know, driving up to Denver where the climate is similar but slightly more moist. Um, so, so I'm learning the area and, and surrounding areas and finding that the food is a little harder to come by, but there are also some different unusual things that I never got back east that are really delicious. So you mentioned uh, foraging in Central Park, and I was wondering... Um, if that is, or do you have a favorite spot that you've that you foraged in in the past? Um, I would say Central Park is definitely one of my two favorite spots um, because there's so much there, and there's so many different kinds of environments within the park. I mean, it's a very big park, obviously, and you've got sunny fields, and you've got woods, and you've got streams, and you've got parts of the park that are trampled by softball players, and you've got parts of the park that nobody ever goes into. Mm-hmm. So there's a really wide range of, of plant material there. Um, some stuff I wouldn't recommend harvesting there because, you know, you can't be digging up bulbs and pulling ferns out by the roots, but certain things you absolutely can gather in Central Park. You know, a mushroom that's going to kill a tree, go ahead, take the mushroom. Fruit or nuts that fall from the ground, that's perfectly fine to pick up. Um, So I love foraging in Central Park for the wide variety of foods that it offers, but because it's a public park, there are some restrictions. 
where I live in Pennsylvania or where our house is in Pennsylvania, um, <clears throat> there are, are also some rules for foraging in the national forest, but there are also so much land that's privately owned, and if you ask the person beforehand if you can go and forage, most of them are perfectly happy to have you do it. And it's a very, very rich area to forage in. A lot of wild greens, a lot of mushrooms, a ton of different fruit. Um, so we're going to kind of transition now to talking about the, uh, the workshop. Um, so if you can maybe just expand a little bit on what kind of drinks, you don't have to be super uh, specific, but maybe just like themes of the drinks that, that you plan on uh, you know, showcasing during this workshop. One of the drinks I know will be using pineapple guava because that's not anything I ever get to play with except <laughs> when I am in the San Jose area visiting Casey. Um, and I think it's great that it's used as an ornamental plant but not everybody knows how tasty it is. I see it every once in a while in an interesting grocery store, um, but when I was forging them with Casey, a lot of people were just like, oh yeah, take them, we never eat them. <laughs> and I think it's got a really interesting flavor. So we're gonna be using pineapple guava, and uh, we're not sure yet which spirit we're gonna pair that with, but I'm thinking maybe pisco, maybe cachaca, something uh, mm. unusual, something that's gonna let the flavor of the pineapple guava shine through. Um, so that is a given. And then we may play around with elderberries and a brown spirit, but I really hope that what we can do is on the morning of the event, go out to Vegilution and just kind of walk the grounds and see if there's anything there that's inspiring. We'll keep the elderberry as our backup, but for instance, if we found a ton of purslane, I've got sort of a purslane margarita recipe I've been working with that's really good. If we found pineapple weed, we could definitely do something with that. It's got a wonderful flavor to it. Um, you know, a second crop of nettles is coming around in some places that have irrigation. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We're keeping an open mind. We've got a plan. And if we find something that really wows us that morning, you better believe we'll be bringing it into the bar. <laughs> That uh, that purslane margarita sounds <laughs> sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's this crazy bright green color um, that I really like. I like that a lot. So, the next question is: uh, so why why are forged drinks better than other drinks that you would get at a bar? Well, if you are, you know, qualitatively, I mean, I think. I, I can't say that a foraged drink is absolutely better than any other kind of drink, but I'll tell you why I like them better. Um, I like foraged drink and foraged food because a lot of those flavors are flavors you can't find anywhere else. And I think they're complex and unique and interesting, and I like the fact that you have to go out and find them. That makes them mean something to me. Um, you know, we all know that you can get a much cheaper tomato if you buy it at the grocery store than you can if you grow it at home, but that doesn't stop anybody from growing tomatoes at home because they taste better when you grow them yourself. Um, and in the same way, I think a foraged drink tastes better when you know that you have gone out and picked those elderberries and brought them home and made the syrup, and now you're using it in your drink or done that to the prickly pears or whatever it is you're using. Um, the fact that it's not been bred for a longer shelf life or 
stability. It hasn't had any of its nutrients bred out of it. I mean, you could say that these plants had um, more nutrition in them. Of course, we're combining them with alcohol, so all bets are off. But <laughs> if you just took the plant itself, um, a lot of forage plants are super, super high in, in vitamins and minerals and nutrients because they haven't been messed with. Do you have, do you have a favorite drink? that you've ever made or ever man that's a hard question though I, as I'm asking it to you it I'm is, like I don't know it's a hard question yeah. but I actually I've been um, it's right in both on the east coast and here in Santa Fe I don't know about by you it is crab apple season and they are all over the place do you guys have crab apples? yes I do in my backyard yeah okay well this is what you need to do with those crab apples <laughs> you need to go get them and, um, and you need to freeze them and then thaw them, and then you need to fill a bottle with them, or a big jar, and then you need to pour bourbon over them and let it sit there for like two or three weeks. Put in a little bit of pepper, a little bit of allspice, and then you strain off the apples, and and this is like my perfect fall drink because it's crab apples, it's bourbon, it's getting a little cooler, and here it is, I don't know about you. Um, (laughs) So is it my favorite drink ever, ever? Maybe not, but is it my favorite drink right now? Definitely. And I, so I have this, this crab apple infused bourbon with some spices, and, and then I, I make a, I have a little bit of wild ginger syrup that I also made, and um, some seltzer water, and it's, it's just fantastic. That's amazing. I'm totally going to do that, too, because my roommate um, is a fruit tree sort of connoisseur, and she was like, well, they're crab apples. I don't think we can eat them. Oh, yeah. No, no, you can totally... A crab apple is just any apple with a diameter of less than two inches. Yeah. I make I make applesauce, I make pickles, I make wine, I make... I mean, if you send me your email address afterwards, I'll uh, send you a link to the recipe because I've, I've posted that bourbon recipe on my about.com site, and um, it's a good one. You're going to be very happy mm. with it. Yes, that's perfect. Also, I love fall, so I think I would like it. Um, I'm wondering if... I think that at least what I'm gathering um, through your book and sort of talking to you a little bit is that you're all about making foraging accessible to people. Yeah. Um, so yeah. how do you do that? Like what, um, obviously I feel like one of the barriers that people bring up is, um, you know, time to go do that and knowledge. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that? Well, that's why, um, that's why my first book was called Backyard Foraging, because mm-hmm. it's a very safe place to start. One of the things that, that worries people is they're afraid they'll misidentify something and then they'll get sick or they'll poison their entire family. But if you start where you know what you're growing, like in your own backyard or with very familiar plants, then uh, that takes the fear out of it. So you may have daylilies growing in your yard, but you may not realize that there are four edible parts to a daylily plant. You may have hostas growing in your backyard, and you may not realize that the shoots of those hostas are delicious. So if you start with these really familiar plants growing in a controlled way, for example, you know you haven't sprayed some horrible toxic chemical on your the plant in your backyard, that makes it safer, and that makes it more accessible. And if you get started, and you really like it, and you have some success, then maybe you'll say, hey, I want to do this someplace else. I want to explore. I want to expand. Um, so that's, that's my sneaky way of getting people into it, is having them start in their own backyard. I was in the car with Casey on the way back from our meeting, um, and she, we were talking about all the things that you've been involved with. 
Um, and and I've heard that you that you sing. Um, that, was, that was my first career on Broadway. Yeah, I was in Les Mis. Um, and you have a and you you put out a. a a record of of songs about plants is that correct <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i put out a cd of uh, broadway show tunes mostly about flowers and plants you would be amazed at how many there are and uh because my husband is a superbly talented recording engineer who you know knows like all of the best musicians in new york i had i was totally spoiled i worked with so many amazing musicians um and it was really fun. It was a blast. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, when she when she told me that I was I was wondering maybe have you ever done like a singing kind of uh, foraging workshop where you would sing? And I don't know. I had this like imagine I imagined this yeah. like. I don't know. I have a friend. Actually, when you when you forage, it's it's much more fun to do it with people. And um, one of but very few people want to forage with you. Casey has always been game, and that's been great. But I have a couple of serious foraging friends. And of the three serious foraging friends, two of them were in show business. One was a dancer, and the other one was with me in Les Mis, and he actually came foraging completely independently. And sometimes, when we are tramping through the woods, we will burst into song. But, you know, I have never taught a singing foraging workshop. <laughs> I'm not sure how I'd sell that. Maybe you just would need to drink some of your drinks yes. pre-workshop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think that would help a lot. That would help a lot. Just get the yeah. creative juices. So I think I think we're good on questions. Uh, we really appreciate you taking time out to, to help us. Help us answer some of these questions. Um, it's my pleasure. I, I love doing stuff like this, and I'm really looking forward to getting out there. So again, we'd like to thank Ellen for coming on the Farmcast. It was great to talk with her. And if this sounds interesting to you, make sure you come out to Garden to Glass. This workshop will take place at the Fountainhead Bar in downtown San Jose on South First Street in the Sofa Market on Tuesday, November 10th. You can get tickets on our website on our homepage for this event and it starts at 5.30 and runs to about 7. Tickets beforehand are $25 and we'll be selling tickets at the door as well for $30. Uh, Ellen will be on hand to sign some of her books and VeggieLution will also be selling some plants there as well that you can take home uh, to plant in your backyard so you can start your own foraging garden. VeggieLution is sponsored by the Knight Foundation. The Knight Foundation supports transformational ideas that promote quality journalism advance media innovation, engage communities, and foster the arts. To learn more, visit thenightfoundation.org. Some and I began to know